When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. There's a difference between do it yourself and do it for a living. At the Home Depot, we get that. And we're here to help pros get the job done with the products and brands you trust. Technology to keep your job on track. Job site delivery to save you time. And bulk pricing on over 4,000 items every day to save you money. When you've got a job, we're on the job. The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, everyone, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. So excited to be here today, as I always am when I get the opportunity to talk with you guys. We have a great episode in store for you today. We are going over the 2019 NFL Draft quarterback and tight ends fantasy implications kicking off the draft coverage on this show. Don't worry if you keep listening later on in this episode, I will let you know when the fantasy implications of the running backs and wide receivers episode will come out and how you have to look forward to that. And of course, to listen to that future episode, this episode, or any episode whatsoever, be sure to subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Radio Public, Anywhere you want to go for your podcast needs, the MD Fantasy Football Show is available to you almost on any platform now at this point. And of course, you can always go directly to the website, www.mdffshow.com. 
Com for the episodes, for the free agent tracker, of course, that's still ongoing and very vital during the offseason. If you want to take a look at all of the NFL draft order picks that are coming up, and of course, look at the scouting combine results for the NFL draft prospects going into this draft. That is all available to you along with many, many other things. So go check out the website and make sure you have the subscribe button to all of those podcast platforms that you listen to to make sure you get this episode, future episodes, past episodes, anything you need to know to get your MD Fantasy Football Show fixed in because I am the fix for you for fantasy football. I promise you. Look, we have a lot to get to today. This episode will probably be a little bit shorter than the running backs wide receivers episode will be. I'll explain as to why when we get into it. But first, before we get into all of that, I actually have to talk about a few things with you that I did not get the opportunity to talk to you about uh, in the previous episode because it happened after the free agency episode took place. And these are pretty notable moves, notable players that we do have to at least uh, mention before we get started into this actual episode's content. So kicking off, we got Jared Cook, CJ Anderson, Jordan Howard, all moves that have a lot of fantasy implications in a lot of different ways. All right, with Jared Cook here, with J- going to the Saints offense there with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, First of all, I think that was the best place that Jared Cook could have possibly have landed, uh, especially in that offense, being that the Saints did not go out and get a true complimentary wide receiver to Michael Thomas. They're sitting there. They're hoping maybe Karen Meredith is finally healthy. Maybe Traquan Smith can take a little bit of a bump up this upcoming season. So it was a great move for Jared Cook for himself and also a great move for the Saints. He fits that offense well. We know what Drew Brees can do with a tight end who actually has the athletic ability to stretch the seam and be able to be a dynamic pass catcher for him in the red zone, stretching out the field, and most importantly in Jared Cook's case, because he's explosive enough, he can maybe take away some safety attention from Michael Thomas in those situations at all. I've heard a lot of arguments from a lot of different people discussing, well, actually, since Jimmy Graham has left the Saints, Drew Brees has not thrown to the tight ends nearly as much, blah, 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 blah. Look, I I, if you're not watching football over the last few years, then maybe you can try to make that argument from a purely just statistical perspective. But if you've actually been watching, watching football at all, I would say the main reason why he hasn't targeted the tight end nearly as much since Jimmy Grant left is because he hasn't had a tight end that was worth a damn as far as their athletic ability goes on that level. He's had so-so average, probably should have been more like backup tight ends since Jimmy Graham has left to fill that void. He finally has a pass catcher in Jared Cook. Now, having said that, I'm not going to go and say Jared Cook's going to be next Jimmy Graham. I'm not even going to say Jared Cook's going to have as good of a fantasy season as he did last year, because this is still Jared Cook that we're talking about. Even... Last season was Jared Cook's most consistent season that he's ever had in his career as far as a fantasy football perspective comes from. And even in that season, 90% of his production still came in a big chunk of four to five games where he's got big chunk production in those games. And that pretty much made up his season totals. He still wasn't consistent last year. Now, he was more consistent last year than he had been throughout his entire career because every year we kept hyping up Jared Cook with his 
his ability in a new offense. Oh, could this be the year where he breaks out and finds his way into a top five tight end? And what does he do? He comes out, he shows up for a game or two throughout the season, and then he's never heard of from again. So this is still Jericho. This could be that situation. But I think he did put himself in a place where that is least likely to happen now with the Saints with Drew Brees and that great offense that will fit him pretty well. I think Jared Cook, if nothing else, at the very minimum, solidified his position as a top 10 tight end going into next season, which in some senses isn't saying a lot, but for Jared Cook and his prospects going into next season from a redraft perspective, I do think he will be in the top 10 tight end discussion. Now, for C.J. Anderson, him signing with the Detroit Lions. So what does that do? Well, I think it means less for C.J. Anderson than it does for uh, On Johnson. What it means to me for Carrion Johnson is never going to sniff the damn goal line. That's what it means to me. He's not going to get those touchdowns, those, those balls within the five-yard line. We already had an entire week where Matt Patricia and pretty much everybody in the head honcho Lions organization came out and said that touches for Carrion Johnson are concerned. They're going to keep an eye on it. They're going to make sure that he doesn't get overworked. Blah, blah, blah. The horse's ass Patriot way thing when people need to realize that the Patriots haven't had a true running back since Corey Dillon, which is the main reason why they've done the platooning to the extent that they have. And I think we're going to see that go away uh, in this next season now with Sony Michelle taking another step up as long as he can stay healthy because uh, he is a true dynamic player. Carry on Johnson is a feature back. He may not be the biggest of them all or the strongest of them all, but he is a guy you want out there in all three downs. Now all of a sudden you got CJ Anderson coming in. Probably means Zach Zenner is going to get cut and pretty much locking up that carry on Johnson's not going to see a goal line carry within the five yard line. Now, the real problem, though, C.J. Anderson himself is not the big thorn in on Johnson's ass. That is actually Theo Riddick. But what this does is pretty much amplify the fact that on Johnson may only get work between the 20s on first and second down. Because as long as Theo Riddick is there, for whatever reason, Matt Patricia, and, and this is, goes back even before Matt Patricia was the head coach, Theo Riddick for some ungodly reason, must be the third down pass catcher of the Detroit Lions out of the running back position. I don't understand it. It doesn't seem to matter what coach comes in there. They all seem to stick theoretic and come hell or high water. Theoretic, third and five or longer, is going to be out there. I don't get it. I don't understand it. on Johnson, it, he came into the league as one of the best dual threat running backs out there, one of the most explosive at the very least. And the Lions will not use him that way because of old man, slow poke, running in quicksand, Theo Riddick has to be out there on third downs. I don't think that is going to change this season. And now with C.J. Anderson guaranteeing he's not going to get goal line carries, where does on Johnson's value fall? I think we're talking about a guy who may not come off the board until somewhere in between the 7th and ninth rounds. Maybe 6-8 and eight if you're in a 10-man league. Or, I'm sorry, maybe between 6-8 and eight if you're in a 12-man league. But maybe not till 7 or 9 in a 10-man league. That's what we're talking about now because his value is just getting dashed by the day between what the coaches are saying, between the moves that they have just made signing C.J. Anderson here. It's all bad for Carry On Johnson. As far as Anderson goes, 
He's not going to be anything more than a handcuff, I think, to carry on. Maybe a guy who, on a given week, if you're just like, I need a touchdown out of a flex position, maybe you could throw him in there in that kind of situation because I do see that being his goal. But for C.J. Anderson himself, I don't think this means a whole hell of a lot, especially in redraft leagues. For Jordan Howard, now, like I said, I'm going to try to get to these quickly so we can get to the bulk of this podcast. For Jordan Howard... That trade, that was a significant trade. So first of all, that means Josh Adams, any prospects you had of maybe working your way into some kind of rotation, that that goes bye-bye, that goes out the window. Jordan Howard's going to fill that role left by Ajayi quite well. And if you remember, Ajayi, even though the Eagles seem to rotate running backs faster than I can change underwear, even at an even higher level than the New England Patriots do, Josh Adams was successful down the stretch. Jay Ajayi was a high-end RB2 before he got hurt in the beginning of the season, and I don't see why Jordan Howard's role would, A, be different than Jay Ajayi, and talent-wise, I don't think he's much different than Jay Ajayi either. I think he's on the same plane as far as talent goes on top of it. He's going to fit what they want well. He's going to come in on first and second down. He's not going to have the issues that he had in Chicago where it's like, oh, let's get Tariq Cohen involved in other places. Like, no. Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, we know what they are. They're backup guys who can come in for a spell and be successful here and there. Corey Clement maybe a little more of a pass catcher. We'll see if Darren Sproles is going to retire or not. He's talking about that may not come in May, and that's something you would already know about if you have your Twitter notifications set at MDFF Show for free up-to-date news constantly coming at you. Make sure you follow me. Get those notifications set because I have a lot of great news that comes out to you every single day for free. And it's just as fast, if not faster, than any other news outlet that you go to to try to get your edge on your opponents to get that news just a little bit quicker to make that pickup just a little bit faster. So make sure you're you're subscribing to that because I talked about on a tweet how... Darren Sproles is talking about he's not sure he's going to retire. He's not going to know till May. One of many updates coming your way. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So we know what they are. So we know Jordan Howard is going to get goal line work on a very good offense that is going to be in position to score quite often. And we also know he's going to get work on first and second down behind a top five offensive line in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles. So all good things for Jordan Howard. I think if anything, this trade boosted his value a little bit. I think we're looking at a guy who's probably going to be in that third to fifth round tier type of running backs there that that solid 
RB2 that you're looking for if you went receiver early, that that's going to be where he's going to be, and it pretty much solidifies him there. There's not as much question mark anymore. Okay, so that was the news that I we had to talk about before we can move on into the bulk of what this podcast is going to be about for you for Daniel Jones and the quarterbacks and Drew Luck and Dwayne Haskins and Jarrett Stidman and Kyler Murray and Ryan Finley and Tyree Jackson and Will Greer. We're going to be talking about all of those quarterbacks coming up and then the tight ends on the second half of the show. Now let's take a quick break. We'll get back into what we're talking about in this show and I will go over with you what my requirements for for who made my list today to talk about. Do you wish there was a simple, dedicated website for fantasy football information that has projections, rankings, records, and more? Well, say no more. The MD Fantasy Football website has everything I just mentioned, plus extra pieces of information like a free agent tracker, scouting combine results, and the upcoming NFL draft order. Just go to www.mdffshow.com. All right, so let's get started off by talking about the requirements that it took for me to put the player list together of who I was going to talk about. Because obviously, going into the NFL Draft 1, this is a fantasy football show. So I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to talk about offensive linemen, not going to talk about defensive linemen, linebackers, defensive backs, not going to talk about any of that automatically. Then on top of it, we have about 400 players on my big board that I have ranked out there. If you go to the website and see the draft prospects and all of their scouting combine information. But you only have 254 picks. So automatically, the first requirement I have is you had to be somebody who is ranked well within that 254. And I was a consensus guy to be drafted within the first seven rounds. So that was requirement one. Are you widely expected to be drafted? Requirement number two was, do you have a unique skill set that I believe will allow you in the right situation, because that's so key when these guys get drafted, in the right situation will allow you to become fantasy relevant, whether it be this year as a redraft league or in the future for a possible dynasty value down the road. That was requirement number two. Requirement number three was, do you have a name that I know a lot of people are going to be talking about leading up to the draft, during the draft, that I will have to talk about even though maybe you don't have the skill set that I am looking for that makes me believe that you are actually going to be fantasy relevant in your NFL career, but I know your name is going to be talked about because it's loved by so many others that you're going to be watching during the draft process, so I would not be doing my due diligence if I didn't at least mention those guys and what my take was on. So that was requirement number three. Are you somebody who's going to have a name that people are going to hear about? So if you met one of those requirements, you made my list. And I have to tell you, I wound up cutting down my quarterback and tight end list a hell of a lot more than I was expecting to. I haven't finalized my running back and wide receiver list, so I don't know exactly how many guys going to cut out of those. There's a lot more players in those two positions to choose from from the get-go, so we'll see what winds up happening there. But for my quarterbacks and tight ends, my list got a lot smaller for this episode than I was really expecting it to be. So... 
Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the quarterbacks. And I don't have these in any particular order. I'm not ranking them. I'm not talking about them as my 1 through 10 or 10 to 1. I just, I have my quarterback list together and we're just going to talk about them as we go. But remember, this is not in any particular order of where I have them ranked or any such thing like that. So we're going to kick off here with Daniel Jones. And my comparison to Daniel Jones is... Ryan Nazib. This guy is getting a lot of hype right now. He's expected to go in the first two rounds. A lot of people are talking about maybe he'll even get a chance to go in the first round. That would be a big mistake. So Daniel Jones would fall into that category of he's a name that you guys are going to talk about, but not somebody who I think is going to have a good NFL career or ever be fantasy relevant. He's a dink and dunk quarterback. He has the prototypical size, and he's not completely immobile. But he's not as mobile as people try to make him out to be. He's not such a change mover, chain mover, excuse me, with his legs that he's somebody who I think that if he came into a certain role that he could have a fantasy floor that a lot of guys like to talk about when you talk about a guy who likes to take off and try to use his legs to move the chains, even if he's not a big playmaking guy. He's not that guy. He is Ryan Nazib. He doesn't have an NFL arm. It is a below average arm strength and he's a dink and dunk guy. He doesn't throw with a great uh, with a great amount of anticipation over the intermediate part of the field, and he doesn't get the ball down deep with anticipation to make up for the fact that he doesn't have natural arm strength when trying to throw the ball. This guy is the most, probably the most overblown quarterback in this draft class, and that's saying a lot because there's a few guys who I feel are very, very, very overhyped going into this league and going into this year. I mean, it's crazy to me. Quarterbacks have always been a tricky beast when it comes to scouting, when it comes to publicity, heading into drafts and and whatnot like that. But man, oh man, this year I think really takes the cake on some of these guys where it just makes no sense to me the love that is had for certain players in this one. Daniel Jones would definitely fall into the level of being one of those guys that I would stay away from. I'm definitely not going to have any value in redraft leagues, and I would stay away from him in dynasty leagues, even if it looks like he could be put in a situation where he might be the heir apparent to somebody. Believe me, he won't last long no matter where he goes. Drew Locke is the next guy I want to talk about here. Now, my comparison of Drew Locke is a little bit a little bit tricky because I kind of have two comparisons. I think he's somewhere in between a Joe Flacco as his ceiling and a Paxton Lynch as his floor. I, I lumped them in with those two guys because there's two guys coming out. Flacco, we know, has a gun. Paxton Lynch was, you know hyped to have a gun. I think we proved in the NFL that it's not his arm was not as strong as it was made out to be, but strong arm quarterbacks who are not immobile. Uh Drew Locke is definitely more mobile than I think Paxton Lynch or Joe Flacco is. Uh, kind of proven a little bit by his 4.740 that he was able to run. Although, if you watch the film, he very rarely takes off. He likes to kind of stand in the pocket like a statue. And then when he breaks, when he's able to extend the play, you're kind of surprised by how quick he is. He does have some quickness to him, but it's not something that he really uses very often in his game and probably would be better off if he did. But he has no accuracy. His bre- His mechanics break down so easily. 
Anytime you get pressure to come up the middle in his face when you watch the tape, he breaks down in a heartbeat and he loves to do what all gunslingers love to do. And that is instead of just taking the sack or finding a way to throw the ball away, he throws the ball straight up in the goddamn air and lets it get picked off. This guy, we're talking about a guy who's only had a 56 0.7 completion percentage throughout his collegiate career. He's not an accurate guy. He's playing in Missouri, playing in the SEC. Yes, it's a tough conference, but this is not a guy who is coming into the NFL, NFL ready. And my problem with that is, is the fact that everyone has him going in the first round. Some even have him going in the top 10. So, But a lot of people have him not falling any further than the Dolphins at 13, which just makes absolutely no sense to me. Drew Locke is a project. He belongs no higher than the third round. And I mean it. If it was up to me, he would not be rated any higher than the third round. He is not ready. He is a guy, best case scenario, he winds up in a system where he could sit for two years and actually learn the fundamentals of the quarterback position and how to not always just rely on his arm. Because guess what? In the NFL, his arm's still not as strong as Patrick Mahomes, and I still don't think his arm's as strong as Joe Flacco's is now. In the NFL, that's going to be a problem if that's all you're going to lean on, and it's not even as elite as it could be. Drew Locke, to me, is a big bust waiting to happen if somebody's going to take him in the first round because then there's going to be an expectation for him to play earlier than what he should be playing. As far as fantasy purposes go, definitely would not do not think this is a guy in his rookie season who's going to be able to give you some fantasy numbers. It's not a Josh Allen situation where he has a big arm, but he's so mobile and scrambles so much and runs so often that he's going to give you fantasy production in that sense, and whatever he gives you throwing the ball is almost gravy at that point. It's not that kind of situation with Josh Allen or even Lamar Jackson for that type because it was a similar type of situation last year with a similar type of game and makeup. Not going to be that guy. Redraft um, Dynasty Leagues, I know there's definitely going to be a lot of people out there who are going to want to take him. Don't be that person. Let someone else make that mistake. I know that's one of my favorite sayings to say, but it always applies in situations like this. Let someone else make that mistake of taking Drew Locke in their dynasty drafts because I'm telling you right now, he will not be in the league long. He will not get much of a starting opportunity for long in the NFL. He just doesn't have the makeup, and rarely do I see guys who have mechanics and fundamentals this this sloppy be able to improve to a point where they become a consistent starting quarterback in the NFL. But the next guy that I want to talk about to you is completely different, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins is by far the best quarterback in this draft. By far. It's not close. All you Kyler Murray lovers out there, he is a really good athlete, a really interesting playmaker, and I think could be a decent quarterback, and we're going to get to Kyler Murray in a minute. But he is no Dwayne Haskins. He is not number one. He should not be rated number one. And I want to talk about going to number one pick because all that can be subjective to what teams are looking for, like yada, 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 all that stuff. I'm talking about all of these rankers out there, these scouts that are saying Kyler Murray is the best quarterback in this class. They are wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Dwayne Haskins is the franchise guy of this class 
to have. There is not a weakness in his game. Okay, he comes from Ohio State. He actually had to read defenses. Number one, he throws a beautiful ball with anticipation, and he can dart it into tight spaces. He has the actual NFL arm. He has the coolness under pressure. He can extend plays. He's not a big runner. He's not a scrambler, but his big size. He reminds me a lot. A lot of Big Ben, except for I think he has better mechanics than Big Ben did coming into the NFL than from college, which makes me think he could become even more consistent. Now, of course, a lot of times it happens on where are you going to go. I think if Dwayne Haskins winds up on the Giants, it would be really good for him because I do think Pat Shermer is a very good offensive-minded coach and a very good quarterback's coach. Now, it may not be great for him because he has to deal with his moron David Gettleman who doesn't believe in having legitimate outside perimeter wide receivers to throw to. But as far as the coaching goes, Pat Shermer would be a great fit for him. And as far as the Giants go, if he was really to fall to them at six and they pass on Dwayne Haskins, David Gettleman should be dropped kicked from the highest cliff in the Grand Canyon immediately if that were to happen. Because you are a moron. If he were to let him go, actually go, and he were to fall to him at six, if the Kyler Murray rumors are true with him going number one, Dwayne Haskins, I think it depends on where he goes, but I think this is some. This is a rookie quarterback, kind of in similar mold of Baker, where depending on the situation he winds up in, he could be fantasy relevant in his rookie year, even though he's not necessarily a scrambler. That is how good he is. That is how much of a pure passer he is. Now, of course, that'll depend on where he goes. Is he going to go somewhere where he's going to have an opportunity to start right away? Because like I just just mentioned the Giants, he probably would not have the opportunity to start right away with the Giants. Is he going to go somewhere that actually features throwing the ball, willing to play more of a spread system if that's the case? So all those things kind of depend on where he winds up. But if he were to wind up in the right situation where he could start this year and an offense swing to kind of spread it out, I think Dwayne Haskins would actually have redraft value late in drafts or even if you don't wind up drafting him a guy you're going to want to pick up off the waiver wire this year dynasty he's hands down would be my number one quarterback for dynasty i'm not talking about new dynasty leagues i'm talking about if you're already into your dynasty leagues and you're coming up you're getting ready to draft uh your your draft the draft prospects here you are going to draft Dwayne Haskins would be my number one rated quarterback coming into the nfl this season hands down like i said he reminds me of big ben 77, 70% completion percentage throughout his collegiate career, which was mostly last season, had 50 touchdowns to eight interceptions. This guy is legit. Next guy I want to talk to you about is Jarrett Stidham. Now, as I said, I want to mix it up. So Jarrett Stidham. Jared Stidham is interesting to me. Now, he ran a disappointing 40. I thought he was going to run a little bit better of a 40 than a 4.8. I thought he would be closer to the low 4.7s. That's where I had him pegged at. Considering how much he ran, watching him on tape, he was able to run away from a couple linebackers here and there. So I did think he was going to be able to pull that off. But didn't wind up happening and you could probably say it's kind of consistent because he ran a 481 on his first run he ran a 482 on his second run so that was a little bit interesting to me but I definitely think he has NFL level mobility to be able to move the change he was never going to be a big playmaker that's why I said 47 I wasn't expecting him to blaze people away uh, he was not going to run away from safeties and cornerbacks or anything like that but he's going to be able to use his leg to move the chains now he doesn't have 
the NFL arm strength, or or should I say, he has below average to at times displaying average, I would say, NFL relative arm strength uh, in his throws. But he does have very good touch. He can put it into more difficult places because he is able to anticipate and put good touch on the ball. Couple things to hold him back. Running the Auburn system. So you're never really expected to read defenses when you're coming out of the Auburn system. On top of it, you usually are set up for your hot read to be the guy who gets open. And he definitely displayed it quite a few times where if he got pressure or if his first read was not open, he would tend to hold on to the ball too long and get hit. Look, this is a guy who... I I think will probably be a backup for most of his career, but he has an interesting enough skill set to me where if he were put in a position where he sat for a few years and due to an injury, like say let let just for an instance, let's say Jared Stidham wound up on the Tennessee Titans. Just for an instance. I think backing up Marcus Mariota and would now have to be behind Ryan Tannehill now as well. I think he would fit really well in that type of an offense, a a spread but run first type offense play action. Be very similar to what he ran in Auburn, a little more conservative. He'd be he he could probably do some things a little bit better than what Blaine Gabbert was able to do a year ago, where he can move the chains with his legs here and there. He can make the basic throw, hit the tight end on the hot read, hit the wide receiver on the hot read. I think in that kind of situation, this is somebody who, at some point, if given the right opportunity, we could be talking for a couple of weeks about having some fantasy value. Now, not this year, but it would be dynasty. And I don't expect him to ever be a particular starter year in, year out type of deal. But I do think he's a backup who will hang around long enough where he will have times in his career where he could have fantasy-relevant value. Kind of like the Blaine Gabbers of the world, the the Colt McCoys of the world, the Cody Kesslers of the world. Uh, a little bit better than Cody Kessler and Colt McCoy, but you get what I'm. we get what I'm saying here with Jared Stidham. So that's why I mentioned him here. I think he had an interesting skill set. I think it will be interesting to see where he winds up at and what situation he comes into. Okay, so before we get into the rest of the quarterbacks, I'm going to give you one quick uh, live read here, and then we'll get into the last remaining four quarterbacks, and then we'll have the tight ends on the back end of the show. Wondering where the MD's Fantasy Football Show is available? You can find the show on some of the most popular podcast medias like iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and many more popular podcast apps. Or go to the website www.mdffshow.com for the latest episodes. Alright, let's get to it. Let's talk about the guy who all of you probably wanted me to talk about right away to start off the show for this particular episode, Kyler Murray. And I purposely waited until now to talk about him, by the way, to make sure you keep listening, because that's what a smart host does. Alright, so with Kyler Murray, look, his playmaking ability with his legs is undeniable. He does show good touch on his passes. He was coming from a very friendly air raid system. I do not care that Baker Mayfield came from the same system last year and found all the success in his rookie season of the NFL. That is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield does not equal automatic Kyler Murray success. And frankly, I'm quite sick and tired of the fact that people are automatically deeming it so as a result. 
Just because he's short doesn't make him Russell Wilson. Just because he played an air raid system and was successful doesn't make him Patrick Mahomes. And just because he runs around and plays baseball doesn't make him Deion Sanders at the goddamn quarterback position. So let's stop treating this guy like he's God. Look, I don't want to come off as a Kyler Murray hater because I'm not. I think of all the quarterbacks, even as much as I love Haskins, Kyler Murray probably has the most fantasy quarterback potential coming out of this draft class. Right? pure fantasy perspective. That's definitely how I feel about Kyler Murray. But I am sick and tired of the hype that he's just the best quarterback to drill over in this draft class. And not just because I'm a big Dwayne Haskins fan, but because no one seems to want to question him the same way that they question every other damn quarterback, including the Russell Wilsons and Baker Mayfields of the world when they came in. They're too short. Okay, I still am convinced that Kyler Murray paid somebody to make him 5'10", because I swear to you, if you watch the film, Kyler Murray does not look like he's 5'10". He looks like he's 5'9". Okay, there's no way. I am not convinced. Let's just say fine. He is 5'10". He's still uber duper short. He's still two inches shorter than six foot and six foot is kind of like the cutoff point. Like like Drew Brees is six foot and even his height was always kind of a factor that was counted against him coming into the draft even throughout his career and even to this day people talk about how it's still difficult for Drew Brees to throw over his offensive line. He has to find passing lanes. He has to throw on his tippy toes and that's a future Hall of Famer we're talking about where his height still seems to be a obstacle that he constantly has to get over and it's impressive how he has and he's two inches taller than Kyler Murray I know today's a different NFL I know we play spread offense and uh, therefore a shorter quarterback has more of a opportunity to be able to throw the ball around because he's not exactly hiking it from under center all the time he doesn't get necessarily blocked by his offensive line all that much I get all that but these are still concerns these are still going to be issues in the NFL at times that you have to take in consideration the other thing that we have to take in consideration the other reason why I disdain the Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson uh comparisons that he seems to constantly get is because his frame of his body is nowhere near, nowhere near as thick as Baker Mayfield or as Russell Wilson. And just because he plays baseball doesn't mean he can automatically slide like Russell Wilson and never take a big hit. Now in college, he did he did a good job. He didn't take too many big hits. But it wasn't because he always did a great job getting out of the way. And there's a big difference when you're talking about that. A big difference. His frame, look, he came in 207 at the Combine. Guys can bulk up for the combine. He played at 190. That was his playing weight when he was in college. 190. So I don't believe that he's going to be playing at 207 at the NFL level. And even if he was, he's still the skinniest 207 I've ever seen in my entire life. I disdain all of those comparisons because there's only one comparison. Only one true comparison to Kyler Murray. And that is RG3. And that is not a negative. I know what RG3 is now. Does not remember what RG3 was coming out of Baylor into the NFL when he went number three overall to the Washington Redskins. Remember his rookie season, especially from a fantasy perspective, how successful it was, how productive he was. It's not an insult. RG3 got hurt. 
That is where the big comparison to me comes from because RG3 was actually two inches taller than Kyler Murray is too, but he had a very similar skinny frame. And what happened to RG3 as far as getting hurt, I think is almost a guarantee going to happen to Kyler Murray within the first year or two of his NFL career. I think it's a guarantee. He is too small. He does not have the thickness to be able to take a... Baker Mayfield might be a small guy. Russell Wilson might be a small guy. But they are thick guys. They are guys who are built to be able to take a bit of punishment. Kyler Murray is not. RG3 was not. We saw what happened with RG3. He got hurt. He was never the same again because he got hurt in knee and he never seemed to get his speed back. Now, ACL injuries have come a long way. Not saying that Cotton Murray, if he was to get hurt, couldn't get make his way back. But he is dependent on his legs to be able to play. And he does not have as good as arm strength as people are trying to make it out to be. He has average to above average arm strength. People seem to make him want to have a gun. Like when they compare to Michael Vick. I, 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 it was someone on NFL Network. I'm drawing a blank on who it was now, but they were comparing to Michael Vick. And at first, I thought they were comparing to Michael Vick because of his rushing ability. But they were comparing him to Michael Vick because of his rushing combination with his cannon arm ability, which I laughed because Michael Vick had a rocket of an arm when he came out of college. It wasn't even close. In fact, there was a lot of discussion if he even had the strongest arm in the NFL at the time. That is not the case with Kyler Murray. Do not get it twisted. He throws a nice ball. He does. He has nice touch. He has some nice anticipation on the seam routes. But I question his ability to throw it out on a consistent basis, throw outside the hashes. If you take him, he's going to have to go somewhere that is willing to build their entire offense around him the way the Redskins built their entire offense around RG3 that first year. Came back... all of a sudden, the pistol system was the new thing, and they ran that system for him, and it worked out fine. They built their entire offensive philosophy around RG3 strengths. If somebody is going to do that for Kyler Murray, I think from a fantasy perspective, which is what this show is, I think he has redraft value, probably the highest redraft value of any quarterback in this class. And he does have dynasty value. I shy away from him a bit in dynasty. It would, it would, Dwayne Haskins would definitely be my number one guy because I'm convinced Kyler Murray's going to get hurt at some point. He's just too small in frame. But he's going to be too hard to ignore to take as the number two guy, especially in this draft class, because of the value that he's going to give you if he goes to an offense that's willing to build around him with his lit, with his rushing ability that he's definitely going to give you. And he's a better passer than Josh Allen or I think, I mean, frankly, I I think than Lamar Jackson, and I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan. Coming in the college, he is a better passer, a more polished passer than either one of those guys coming in, and he's going to give you something similar with his legs. So at the end of the day, that's why I want to get across. I do like Kyler Murray, but cool the Jets on the hype train of Kyler Murray being this next-generational quarterback because it ain't going to happen, and it's not going to be on that level. He compares more to RG3 than he does to anyone else. All right, so now to get off of that, let's talk about Ryan Finley. This is a guy who you're going to hear his name very, very often throughout the NFL draft process. It's going to happen. Um, I actually kind of like him. He's... To me, the comparison I had for him is Colt McCoy. And 
probably definitely actually not not probably definitely more mobile than Colt McCoy is he's going to be able to move the chains with his legs in certain situations for sure but has below average arm strength the way McCoy did coming in but does have that anticipation over the middle of the field and I think he actually displays more of an anticipation over the middle of the field than Daniel Jones does who's rated so much higher and supposed to go so much more further ahead than he is and yet I think Ryan Finley is probably the guy to have because he's the one who's actually has a chance I think to be a long-term backup if nothing else in the NFL level kind of in the same breath when we talked about Jared Stidham here I think he's somebody who's going to have periods throughout his career because of injury and opportunity to be fantasy relevant for a few weeks time here and there so that's why I talk about him in, in potential potential fantasy definitely nothing redraft wise I mean I the only two guys really in this class I think of any redraft value is Haskins and Kyler Murray everybody else you're kind of talking about in a future concept here if you're talking about them at all so that's why I, th- I can see for Ryan Finley I can see him being able to they can dunk play in a true spread system Patriot style type of system being successful, being that he could be able to utilize his legs and be somewhat mobile. It's a guy who I think is a sleeper, who I think could have a legitimate NFL backup long-term career and will be fantasy relevant in certain points in time. The next guy is my big sleeper, probably everyone, everybody's fantasy big sleeper quarterback for future purposes coming into this year's draft class, and that's Tyree Jackson. Look, the guy's a monster. He's 6'7". He's 245. He ran a 4'5", 9 at the Combine. He has a big arm. He has all those exciting attributes that you look for in a dynamic, playmaking, fantasy quarterback. He has all of that. Of course, on the flip side, he did play it against less competition, and he still only completed about 55% of his balls, showing you how inaccurate this guy is. He might even be more broken in accuracy wise than Josh Allen was coming out of college Uh, he's gonna have to go somewhere where he could sit for at least two years he's definitely a raw project will he go somewhere where he can get his mechanics worked on and his fundamentals and be able to learn and be in that right offense I mean Tyree Jackson being a a viable quarterback down the road for fantasy or any other purpose is really going to come down to where do you wind up at that's what it's going to be my comp for him was logan thomas logan thomas came out of virginia tech very similar skill set he was 6'6 about 250 ran about a four five but ran about a four six uh high four fives area had a big arm just Tried to be a quarterback for a couple of years, tried to develop, never wound up happening, made the switch to tight end. So I made that comp because I think if the quarterback thing does not work out for Tyree Jackson, I do see him as a big wide receiver or tight end transitional capable player type of playmaker that I could see happen for Tyree Jackson sometime in his future as well. I would love to see him be able to figure out a way to get all the mechanics and all the fundamentals. It just usually doesn't happen that way. But he's definitely a guy who I'm going to be keeping my eye on for fantasy purposes down the road. Our last quarterback that we're going to talk about in this podcast is Will Greer. And Will Greer makes the list because he fits that requirement of a name that you're going to hear a lot of. 
Uh, he and also he does technically also fit the requirement of a guy who's definitely going to get drafted in the first seven rounds as well. So he does fit too. He does not fit the requirement of having an intriguing skill set that I think will make him fantasy relevant. That he does not. My comp for Will Greer is Blaine Gabbert. He has no arm, none whatsoever. He's purely a dink and dunk guy, purely a play action boot, get him out on the run, throw it into the flat, use your legs to move the chains type of quarterback. He is a backup guy. He's going to probably get drafted in the first three rounds, meaning he's probably going to be put on a team that is thinking they might give him a shot at some point to start, maybe an heir apparent, maybe a situation where like the Dolphins, where they don't have a true quarterback, if they don't wind up getting a Haskins or a Kyler Murray and they don't wind up taking Drew Locke, maybe they find themselves in a situation looking on leader in the draft to see if maybe they can get lucky on a guy. I can see him being in that type of situation. Will Greer is going to be a no-name, nothing, not in the NFL after a certain amount of time, I think, type of quarterback. He came into this year, too, remember, as probably one of the top hyped quarterbacks coming into this year. He's never a fan of Will Greer. He just does not display to me an NFL level talent as far as a passer goes uh, for this league. All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk about the tight ends and the rest of this podcast. Remember, keep listening to the end while I will let you know when the running backs and wide receivers episode will come out. So you have even more after I go through the tight ends here. But let's take a break, come back with the tight ends on the other side. Spreaker is the preferred podcast app of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It has an extensive library and an easy-to-use app. Plus, for each listen, Spreaker will pay the show a percentage of the ad fees. All of that money gets put directly back into the show to enhance your entertainment and informational needs. Plus, it's a great free app for you, the listener, so it's a win-win for all. Alright, for the tight end section of this podcast, it's not going to take as long. For one, I don't have quite as many names I'm going to talk about. And for two, there's not going to be as much as going to be needed to say throughout the analysis as well. Quarterbacks, there's really a lot you got to talk about and go over for the tight ends. It's really for fantasy purposes anyway. Can you catch the ball? And how great can you catch the ball? And if you can answer those two questions as positives, then it's a pretty good chance that you're going to wind up having some fantasy value, whether it be this year or in the near future. So the first guy that I want to talk to you about today, remember these guys are not in any kind of ranking order, same thing stands as it did for the quarterbacks, is Caleb Wilson. Coming out of UCLA, he's a little bit of a sleeper guy. I kind of wanted to hit you first with one of my sleeper guys. He came out 6'4", 235, ran a 4.56.40, was more explosive than I think people were expecting him to be. Now, that was kind of bittersweet because on one hand, it shows that he's a lot faster than I think people realized. On the other hand, it kind of makes you question, why didn't he have better production? Well, a lot of that had to do with that he was constantly hurt. He missed his sophomore season when he was off to a great start because he got injured, was out for the rest of the year. And then last year, he had a very good, solid year, but was still a little bit banged up here and there as well. So injury, obviously, with Caleb Wilson is something that's going to be a concern. I don't think he's going to come into a situation and be drafted high enough where he's going to be expected or even given the opportunity to be able to have a starting tight end job no matter where he winds up at. But... If he was to wind up in a right situation, I do think this is a guy for fantasy purposes could be a decent pass catcher. Uh, A guy like Ed Dixon springs to mind. Um, 
I'm trying to think. Niles, a guy like Niles Paul also springs to mind. He's a little bit taller than Niles Paul, but that same type of guy where he's he's definitely not a blocker. He's purely going to be out there to catch the ball and be another weapon. But he's fast enough and enough of a mismatch where if, when he's given the opportunities, he can be enough of a weapon to be a streamable type of tight end. I don't think this is a guy you're ever going to go into a redraft league and you're going to want to draft as a top 10 guy. You're never going to project it as such. But he's going to have weeks where you're going to be able to stream him. He has that kind of capability. Like I said, all it's going to depend on where does he wind up at, what does his opportunities look like. But this is a guy who I would keep my eye on maybe not in redraft leagues for rookie years this year but in dynasty leagues is a guy that might have some value for you there uh, especially this year redraft I wouldn't even add him to the watch list I don't like I said this is a really this is a guy who I think is going to have to I think he's going to make a roster but he's really going to have to earn his way up the depth chart but somebody who I do think has an ability to be a fantasy relevant player at some point in his career the next guy I want to talk about is kind of in a similar mold. Another sleeper guy, Foster Moreau out of LSU. This guy is very interesting to me. My comp for him was Chris Cooley because this guy fits the typical H-back type of guy where I think he could line up in the backfield at that the traditional fullback position on the wig, motion him out, be on the end line, motion him out to the slot. You could, if you If he wound up on a team where you would move him all around the backfield, all around the field like that to get him the mismatch, get him on that linebacker rather than that safety to be able to use his speed to get past him. He ran four. 4-6-6, by the way. So if he, he's going to beat out most linebackers most of the time. Uh, if you move him around and kind of use him in that H-back type, I think this is somebody who could actually be really successful. Remember, Chris Cooley wasn't taken wasn't taken early. Foster Moreau's probably going to go in the fifth round, somewhere around that area in general. This is a guy who has a skill set, who's very versatile, and I think could be very useful to a zone-blocking type scheme who likes to kind of use a fullback or a tight end, who likes to use a play action, maybe like a triple option threat. I think he could be very useful for those type of teams. This is a guy who I would definitely keep my eye on. I would have him rated a bit higher than Caleb Wilson, in case you're wondering, because I do have him kind of in a similar mold. But I think Foster Moreau has the ability to be a little bit more flexible and versatile uh, within an offensive scheme, depending on where he goes as well. So another guy to keep in mind, I would say predominantly for Dynasty Leagues, uh, I don't think he's going to have much value for you in redraft leagues because kind of like Caleb Wilson, he's going to be put in a position where he's not just going to be given an opportunity to try to get started and playing time. It's going to take a while for him to gain that. The next guy I want to talk to you about is Irv Smith Jr., he, Irv Smith Jr. is my number one tight end, especially for fantasy purposes. You know, when you're talking about draft and you're, you're, you're you know, you're, you're taking all of these things into consideration as an all-around guy, because a lot of people have TJ Hawkinson as their number one tight end, and he, he probably is the best all-around tight end, but for fantasy purposes and the talent level, Irv Smith Jr. is definitely my number one tight end. Definitely. My comparison is OJ Howard. I know they played the same school, but to me, to me, he's just, he might be like a tick or two lower than Howard. Just just like a tick or two. Has a very similar skill set. Big guy, 6'4", 241, ran a 4'6", 3", at the 4'40". Has great hands, runs really good routes. 
is a willing blocker, not a great blocker, but he's a willing enough blocker that I do believe he will be given, A, an opportunity to start in his rookie year depending on where he goes, but B, won't be consistently taken off the field because he's such a liability at blocking, which is a big thing when you're talking about rookies and the redraft value. I believe Irv Smith Jr., depending on where he goes, like, and I'm going to keep phrasing it that way because it really heavily does depend on where he winds up at, I think this is a guy who will have redraft value this season and high enough redraft value where I think he might actually even be drafted in 10 to 12 teams, 16 round leagues. I think there's a possibility he could fall into there. I think you're looking at a guy who could be a top 12 tight end in his rookie season moving forward. Irv Smith Jr. is definitely my top guy and kind of like OJ Howard, he's just going to get better with time. I think this guy is a true tight end threat and a guy we're going to talk about in fantasy purposes for years to come. The next guy I want to talk to you about is Jace Sternberger. Jace Sternberger is a guy who has a name that you're going to hear quite a lot of. He seems to be a very popular sleeper pick amongst experts at the tight end position when they're looking for that sleeper guy. He seems to come up quite a bit. My comp is a poor man Cameron Bray, which may not totally be bad. It means he's going to have a couple games... I, or at least have the ability to have a couple games here and there where he could have a big fantasy week. Uh, he, he is a natural pass catcher with his hands, but he's not overly explosive. He ran a 4.75, and even when you watch the tape, you can kind of see he's not a guy who's beating anybody deep over the field in the seam. He's just he's not going to have that X-factor explosive ability that an Irv Smith Jr. or a Noah Fant have, and he's not a, pa- he's not a blocker. He's not. As I say, he's kind of Cameron Bright light. Cameron Bright's not the most overly explosive tight end either, but he is a natural pass catcher and he can get work in the red zone. I think Jay Sternberger, to a lesser degree, because I don't think he's as talented as Cameron Bright, could fit in a similar role with somebody. I think he has to be a number two tight end. He'll probably be a number three tight end for a while. I just would back off on him ever really being truly fantasy relevant. I think he's even a guy where even if he was to have a couple of weeks where he'd have really good fantasy production, it's not something you're ever going to trust to be consistent with him. I don't. I just don't think his talent level is quite on that level. All right, so what we're going to do here, we're going to take one last break. We're going to get through the last few names I have here on the tight end position, and we're going to wrap up the show. Do you need more places to find the MD's Fantasy Football Show podcast? Go to and try out places like Podcast Addict, Simplecast, Overcast, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and many more to be conveniently available to you. Or just go directly to the website www.mdffshow.com. All right, I have three more names for you at the tight end position here before we close out the show. This really is a deep tight end draft class in general uh, and a lot of guys who could actually have fantasy relevant value at one point or another and sustained fantasy value as well because these are a lot of talented guys especially when it comes to catching the ball and my favorite my favorite sleeper of all of them is Josh Oliver my cop the Josh Oliver if you guys will remember some of you are younger maybe do not maybe if you're new to football you do not Jermichael Finley from back in the day. He was a great pass catcher for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Every single I was he was always my favorite guy at tight end to draft every single year as well because he was always overlooked. He was never going to be taken in the top 5 tight ends. He was always kind of like that borderline-ish 
as far as being considered as a top 10 tight end, and yet he always came through and gave you top 5 tight end production almost on a consistent weekly basis. Didn't have huge games, but always had good games. And that is something I think Josh Oliver could fit a similar mold to. He's a willing blocker. He's a bigger body frame guy. He's 6'5", 250, ran a 4, 6'3", has the big hands, big arms, has a great catch radius. This guy is a big wide receiver who is just happens to be strong enough to be able to play the tight end position. Josh Oliver, to me, is a guy I think he's definitely going to get on a team. I think he's going to surprise whoever winds up drafting him because he's probably not going to get drafted until late. He's going to surprise a lot of people. He's going to find a way to get on the field, I think, in his rookie season later on in the year. So he's, you're not going to draft him in a redraft league, but I do think this is a guy who I would have my watch list on because I would want to keep an eye on what team he goes to. Is he going to be in a situation and have an opportunity to be able to play and overtake somebody's job at some point? I think he might be because I think he's that dynamic of a pass catcher. He's one of my favorite guys coming into this draft that people aren't necessarily all talking about right away right now. As a sleeper guy, I think Dynasty Leagues, I would definitely be taking a long, hard look at Josh Oliver. You could get him for dirt cheap probably in your drafts maybe not even need to draft him and you can be able to pick this guy up hold on to him and I think he's somebody who's definitely going to pay dividends for you down the road he has an excellent skill set and he can he can split out wide he can be that big wide receiver he can be very effective in the red zone I really like Josh Oliver quite a bit for fantasy purposes moving forward and I think he might be one of the few guys taken later who could find himself in a position to be fantasy relevant in redraft leagues in the 2019 season. The next guy I'm going to talk about is the guy everyone's talking about when it comes to fantasy football and that is Noah Fan. Noah Fant comes out, runs a 4-5-140, lights it up and look it's not surprising because if you watch him on tape, he blows by everybody. He catches the ball. He doesn't get hawked. He blew by safeties, by linebackers. There's even times where they line him up on the outside and he blew by corners. He is definitely, without a doubt, fast. And he's 6'5", 241. He's big. Not a blocker. Not a blocker. A willing block, but not a blocker. And so it's kind of that... That curiosity is like, when you get these tight end guys who aren't blockers, are they going to be able to find themselves on the field? But my comp to him will tell you that I think Noah Fant is going to find himself on the field, and I think he probably has the second most redraft value for this year right off the bat. Because my comp to him is Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram came out he wasn't the best tight end. O.J. Howard was. And that's why I kind of feel like Noah Fant may wind up surpassing Irv Smith Jr. as far as this year for redraft fantasy value because it's kind of, I feel like it could be a similar situation where O.J. Howard came out, he's clear-cut the best tight end, didn't quite get the opportunity everybody expected him to because Cameron Brait, one, had a big breakout during the beginning of the year, but two, they were kind of slowly working him in. They weren't really giving him a lot of opportunities. And by the end of the year, he become mostly the starter, but he helped out and blocked a lot. With, But on the flip side of that, Evan Ingram came out, was a pass catcher right away, went to the Giants, went in the situation where he was going to expect to be the tight end right away. And even though he wasn't a great blocker, because his skill set as a pass catcher was so superb and his playmaking ability was so needed, he was a starter right away and he wound up having a great fantasy rookie season. 
a great one. I think Noah Fant could be in a very similar mode. Now, like I said, I'll preference this with everybody. It's going to depend on where he goes. You can even say it with me. Say it in your sleep. It depends on where he goes. But let's say he goes in the right situation. Let's say, for instance, he were to get drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not that they would take him with their first first round pick. It's a little too high. But let's just say, theoretically, he wound up on the Jacksonville Jaguars with Nick Foles and that run-first offense and the play action that they have and their desperate need for a playmaker in the red zone and a guy who can legitimately stretch the field and be a guy that Nick Foles can throw the ball up to because we all know how he likes to throw it to his big targets with Alshon and Zach Ertz already. He went there, I think he would immediately be considered a top 10 tight end for redraft leagues you can be able to take. And for Dynasty, that speaks for itself. To me, he's the second best tight end for you to be able to draft behind Irv Smith Jr. as far as Dynasty goes. And I don't even think that's much of a question. That's this guy's ability. Not Pretty much enough said as, as far as that goes. But in that, in that situation, I really think this is a guy you could talk about as a top 10 tight end this season. All right, our last guy and the guy who's been number one on pretty much everyone's boards that we're going to talk about here is TJ Hawkinson. Look, Iowa, I don't know what's in the water in Iowa, but all of a sudden with George Kittle, Noah Fant, and TJ Hawkinson coming out, they are pumping out some tight ends. Look, TJ Hawkinson, my comp is Jason Witten. All-around guy who's going to be on the field in every situation, every time out there. He's going to help block, which is sometimes going to help because he can kind of do the Gronk thing where he fakes block, goes out for a passing route, always winds up getting a mismatch as a result or forgotten about in college, in coverage no matter how good he's light, no matter how good he's lighting it up no matter how productive he's being we saw it with Gronk constantly how are you how are you going to not cover Gronk oh it's because he blocked and then when you block you have the coverage comes off in a different way and then all of a sudden oh there's Gronk leaking down the seam or Gronk leaking down the flat and he's wide the hell open even though he's the best pass catching playmaker on the team I think something similar to TJ Hawkins now I don't think he's Gronk like I said my comp remember my comp is Jason Witten he doesn't have that kind of explosive capability he ran a 4-7 uh, I think Jason Witten ran a four six five, I believe, and he came out kind of similar in that sense. Where I think he he definitely is a natural pass catcher. He's going to be a guy who's going to be a safety blanket for a quarterback out there. He's going to be effective in the red zone. But the thing is, the guy is never going to come off the field. So in that sense, I think he does have some potential for redraft value this year in a streaming sense if he were to become a starter depending on what team he was drafted by in that situation but he's definitely a guy who I think is going to be around for a really long time I want to say he's Greg Olson but he's just not quite as explosive enough to be Greg Olson so that's why I say I think Jason Witten is a very good comparison and even though yes you're gonna say well Jason Witten is going to be a future Hall of Famer yeah I still feel confident about Giving that comparison, I think TJ Hawkinson's talent is along the same level as that. Whether he winds up having as good productive a career over that longevity uh, that Jason Wynn has had or and is going to continue to have now because now he's coming back to Dallas remains to be seen. But I do think he's on that stratosphere, on that playing field, especially if he were to fall into the right team. So he's somebody else who I would keep an eye on for this season, but definitely would have him high on my draft boards in Dynasty as, as well. Would probably have him just behind Irv Smith Jr. and Noah Fant in that sense. All right. That's going to wrap up this podcast. Now I can all tell you the running backs and wide receiver episode is going to come out in two weeks. So on April 19th, I believe, yes, it will be April 19th, that Friday, the week before the draft, I will have the running backs and wide receivers of 2019 NFL draft 
fantasy implications for those players two weeks from now. You'll be able to look forward to that. Remember, make sure you subscribe or follow at MDFF Show on Twitter and on Facebook on Twitter to get those news update notifications for free. Very imperative, especially if you guys in your dynasty leagues, it's still imperative to get all the information you possibly can moving forward, getting ready for your drafts in June and July and August. Remember, I'll be working this entire time. I'm working on the draft kit. I expect to have the first version of that up in June, which will be on the website, www.mdffshow.com. They'll all be available for you as we get closer. I'll let you all know. And of course, after the draft, I will have a draft recap episode. And then from there, I will let you know when the coach series episodes will start as well. That'll probably be sometime in June, I think, as of now. But until next time, remember, April 19th, I will have the running backs and wide receivers draft fantasy implications out to you available. Make sure you listen. Spreaker iTunes, Spotify, anywhere out there that you would like to listen to podcasts, the MD Fantasy Football Show should be available to you or go directly to the website, www.mdffshow.com. I will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. There's a difference between do-it-yourself and do-it-for-a-living. At The Home Depot, we get that. And we're here to help pros get the job done with the products and brands you trust. Technology to keep your job on track. Job site delivery to save you time. And bulk pricing on over 4,000 items every day to save you money. When you've got a job, we're on the job. The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Get enhanced security for your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today for fast speeds and the best in-home Wi-Fi experience. Get great coverage throughout your home. Plus, ask how to get enhanced network security, safer browsing, and more with XFi Advantage. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 